Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. This is the Brian Sussman Show podcast. The date that I'm recording this is June 10th, 2022, but this is an evergreen show. It's an evergreen show because we're going to be talking about American exceptionalism. And if you don't know what that means, I'm going to explain. Uh, this has to do with Joe Biden. Joe Biden and D-Day, which occurred earlier this week, the celebration of D-Day, when our troops stormed the beaches of Normandy. And uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing because for the first time ever, a president didn't acknowledge D-Day. Oh, there was that tweet, a tweet at 9 p.m. saying something about D-Day. But other than that, what we got from the White House was just disgusting. It was not in keeping with American exceptionalism. Why? Because the left despises the America that you and I love. We're going to talk about this. Uh, before I get going, I just want to share some good health with you. Uh, long before COVID, I was wiping down surfaces on planes and using hand sanitizer. and People looked at me a little kooky every once in a while, but <laughs> I was a germaphobe then and I'm a germaphobe now. And I was also taking some all-natural products to boost my immune system from a company called doTERRA. In fact, I can't recall the last time I had a cold or the flu. And I might add, I'm not vaccinated, not boosted, none of that. But according to my doctor, I'm a very, very healthy guy. I want to get you on the doTERRA road to good health. You may be familiar with doTERRA. It's spelled D-O-T-E-R-R-A. If you're not, you probably have friends who are. They're an American company that specializes in 100% natural ingredients for all their products. Tell you what, you can receive 25% off everything you purchase by becoming a doTERRA member. It's kind of like a Costco membership. Uh, so you're not a part of a multi-level marketing operation. It's just a membership that allows you to buy these products cheap, 25% off. Just go to briansussman.com. You'll see the products that I'm using, the products that I would recommend you think about using as well. Just go to briansussman.com and click on the sponsor page. And I thank you so much. And here's to your health. Well, again, the ceremonies at Normandy. 78th anniversary of the Allied landings at Normandy, France earlier this week. Uh, you know, we're losing that great generation. There are not a lot of these guys left. They're passing from the scene. And it's more important than ever that we acknowledge how their trials, their triumphs, their tragedies from the Second World War have shaped our world today. By the way, I just want to stop for a moment. The clarity of my microphone is not 100%, and I apologize for that. I'm on the road. But I really wanted to get this podcast off my chest and into your ears. You know, we remember D-Day at Normandy because it was the decisive turning point of the war. General George Marshall, his assessment was correct. The only sure way to eliminate Adolf Hitler and his regime was an allied amphibious invasion of Northern Europe that would lead to a campaign right into the heart of Nazi Germany. But 
you know, too many nowadays, especially our younger generations, uh, they have no idea what this entailed because they're not taught about this in our public schools. Think about this. Our tax money is going to make sure that in most cases, they don't learn this stuff. You know, what was happening at home during World War II, it was a mobilization of an entire nation. Everyone. Women working in the factories. I mean, my my aunt, Sarah, was working at uh, one of the airplane factories in Southern California. She was a riveter. Marginalized ethnic groups were asked to work and fight. And I'm talking about people of all colors and all ethnicities. And back then, it was, it was not uncommon for the Italians to not get along with, with the Poles and the Poles not to get along with the Czechs. And the Armenians had problems with this particular... I mean, it was a mishmash. But World War II pulled us together. Militarily, it took over two and a half years to get a U.S. armed forces ready to have more than 11 million Americans in uniform by 1944. We did this in just a couple of years. Think about, think about trying to do that nowadays. First of all, to get everyone to buy in would be tough. You know, from 1942, we fought ground campaigns in North Africa, Sicily, Italy. We were engaged in bombarding war out of England. England was just getting smashed by the Germans. We prevailed in the Battle of the Atlantic over the German U-boats to amass more than a million troops and supplies to launch from Britain. We had to master diplomacy and compromise with our allies because no single nation was strong enough to defeat the Nazi empire on its own. That's why we were... We were allies with Russia. Yet, it might be all for naught if we had failed on D-Day in Normandy, and Biden gives it a tweet at 9 p.m. What a joke. These were long odds, my friends. Long, long odds. If the German defenses were to drive us back on the day of those landings, then Hitler would be in a favorable position to negotiate a separate peace with Stalin, our Russian ally. <laughs> it would be a different world today, my friends, a completely different world. You know, we remember the courage displayed from our highest leaders to common service members. But this isn't being taught about today. We, we should know about General Dwight D. Eisenhower's masterful command and his decisions to initially delay the invasion into Normandy because of weather conditions. But then they found a window of opportunity. And I've, I've looked at the meteorology charts from that particular day, and they were, they were rough. I mean, there's not a lot of data there. But these guys picked a window a window of opportunity that did not last long. I tell you, in my mind, it was a miracle. You know, students should know the stories of soldiers, such as the 19 young men from a small town in Bedford, Virginia, in Company A of the 116th Infantry, 
19 soldiers from Bedford, Virginia, who died in the first wave attacking Omaha Beach that morning. They should know how war affects families through stories as, as the Ellers, the Eller brothers from Kansas. A young veteran of North African and Sicily campaigns, Walt Ellers, landed in Normandy on D-Day and received the Medal of Honor for actions taken a few days later in Goville, France. His brother Roland was in a different landing craft headed for the beach on D-Day when it took a mortar hit. Roland never made it to the beach. Walt found out about his brother's fate a month later. Roland's hat and Walt's Bible are on display at the National World War II Museum in New Orleans. This was history. This was history. Backed by loved ones at home, the Allied soldiers bled, they died, and successfully fought their way across the beaches of Normandy on that day to secure a pathway for a better future for democracy and humanity at large. We must always remember the price they paid to create that pathway and remember that we still travel in that pathway today. You know, there was a time when the world, by and large, looked at the United States as being different from all other nations. Well, that's because we had attributes that made us different. First, unlike all other nations, past or present, this one accepted as self-evident truth that all men are created equal. What this meant was that the founders of this nation aimed to create a society in which, for the first time in history, the first time in the history of the world, the individual's fate would be determined not by who his father was, but by his own freely chosen pursuit of his own ambitions. In other words, America was to be something new under the sun, a society in which heredity status, class distinctions would be erased, leaving individuals free to act and be judged on their merits alone. Secondly, in all of the countries, membership of citizenship was a matter of birth, blood, lineage. Thus, foreigners who were admitted for one reason or another could never become full-fledged members of the, the society. They could never become full-fledged citizens. This country was unique for that reason, or I should say is unique for that reason. You see, to become a full-fledged American, it's just necessary to pledge allegiance to the flag, pledge allegiance to the new republic. Not, not just saying it as some little prayer, but saying it like you mean it. I'll never forget the story of my, my own uncle, when he came to his family, when his, when my uncle came to this family from Russia, this is my, uh, my aunt's uh, husband. So not, not Sussman blood in this guy, but Sussman blood in this guy because he was an American. 
when he came off the when his family came off the boat from Russia, fleeing communism. They knelt down on the ground and literally kissed the ground. They kissed the ground in the harbor area of New York. Kissed the ground. Boom. Right then and there, he was an American. And he loved this country. Thirdly, in all other nations, the rights, if any, enjoyed by their citizens were conferred by human agencies, kings, princes, parliaments. Not here. A citizen's rights here are declared from the beginning to have come from God. There's no other nation on the planet that has ever declared that before. Inalienable, that is, immune to legitimate revocation. But nonetheless, we have in this country anti-American passions, people who look at American exceptionalism, and they're revolted by it. Why? Well, it's rather interesting, isn't it? This country has amazing virtues. It really does. To me, American exceptionalism is the right to live and worship freely. I think if I were to boil it down, I'd say that was it. Live and worship freely. And the American exceptionalism that I'm speaking of has been a resource of good to the world. Just in terms of, of eating aid and need, we do more for the world than any other country now or throughout history in terms of the goods and clothing and medical that we provide all over the world. And I'm not talking about the stuff coming from our government. No, not at all, because that stuff is often, that quote-unquote aid usually winds up in the hands of dictators and oligarchs and crooks and thieves. I'm talking about the stuff that comes out of charitable organizations like Samaritan's Births and World Vision and Youth with a Mission. The floating hospitals that are all over this world taking care of people in faraway places. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about the gospel. Because the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord coming to this earth, dying for your sins, being raised from the dead, and coming back again, I might add, when one believes that and surrenders their life to that very Savior, Jesus, lives are turned around. And we have been such a wonderful force of good around the world in spreading that news. So that's what I talk about when I think of American exceptionalism, the right to live and worship freely. Are there flaws in American society? Of course, because this is an experiment. John Adams, brilliant John Adams, one of the founders of this nation, said this type of, this constitution can only work with a people who are moral and religious. I just wrote a blog post about that at briansussman.com. A moral and religious people. And as we fall, fall more and more away from religion and virtue, there are going to be more flaws in this country. But haven't there been flaws in the past? Absolutely. Was there slavery? Yes. Was there discrimination? Absolutely. A million flaws in this country 
But the idea is, as a nation, we would repent, pick ourselves up from the ground, and try to do better next time around, just as it is in my own personal life. When I screw up, and let me tell you something, I screw up regularly. I come to the Lord in prayer. God, I repent. Forgive me. He does. I get up, and I try again. It's the same thing with this experiment known as America. We've excelled by following our founding fathers and directing our energies, as the Constitution exhorts us to do, to the preservation of the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, as well as to the pursuit of happiness, which is understood by the Declaration of Independence, to require prosperity as a precondition. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness originally was, was the word property. By remaining faithful in principle to the ideas by which the founders hoped to accomplish these ends, life, liberty, and property, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we and our forebears have fashioned a country in which more liberty and more prosperity are more widely shared than among any other peoples in human history. You know, as, liber as liberty is concerned, modern liberals are not concerned about liberty. Uh, they are concerned about equity. They are concerned about equality. And you know, it's rather interesting. Spreading the wealth around. That's what they really want to do. Spreading the wealth around. But as for equality, what is the record? I think the record was stated most succinctly by an Israeli socialist who told William F. Buckley Jr. that those nations which have put liberty ahead of equality have always ended up doing better by equality standards than those with the reverse priority. And that's the case here. Equality is better here when liberty is pursued. And within America today, the Republicans have, by and large, constituted the party of liberty, and the Democrats have, by and large, and, and certainly more and more, have become the party of equality. Equality in the form of distribution of your wealth. I mean, I'm thinking here of Walter Williams, the brilliant economist, who said, what standard of fairness dictates that the top 10% of income earners pay 71% of the federal income tax burden, while 40% of Americans pay absolutely nothing? The Wall Street Journal replied to that, There is nothing fair about confiscatory tax policies that reduce growth, deny opportunity, and keep more people in poverty. And that's exactly what we have in America today. In fact, the great economist and social critic Thomas Sowell has demonstrated time and time again, it is still the case that the poor in America are comparatively few in number except for the black underclass, whose size is generally estimated at somewhere between 2 and 10% of the black community. Thomas Sowell has a certain right to say this because he is black. 
And as I mentioned in a recent blog post to briansussman.com, this is by design. Isn't it interesting? While other minority groups in this country are growing, the black community has remained for decades at 13%. Why? Well, because of the abortion push has placed upon that community and also gang violence in the streets of some of these inner cities where black-on-black crime, black-on-black shootings are killing people. And I believe in my heart of hearts the Democrats could care less because they see the black community as a voting block. They see them as a resource for power. I believe that the leaders of uh, the, the Democrat Party and the leaders of the world who are inclined to say American exceptionalism is bunk are indeed racist themselves. And some might say, well, many of them are black in America. Well, many of them may be black in America, but they're racist. Because they look at the world this way. They have a better brain than everyone else. It's not about skin color. It's about brains. And they have a better brain. And therefore, they want to tell us what to do and how to live. You know, when I look at America, I see a complex of traditions and institutions built upon the principles that animated the American Revolution and have made it possible, made it possible for more freedom and more prosperity to be enjoyed by more of our people than any other society in human history. The liberals continue to seek out, seek out our flaws, seek out our flaws, but they refuse to acknowledge the good that is America. In fact, the liberal community, the leaders of the Democrat Party, the elites around the world seem to think that the rest of the world would be better off without the United States of America. God, please help this nation now more than ever and help us speak up and be vocal in our upholding life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and American exceptionalism. I would like to uh, give a shout out to a wonderful article from 2012 that I've been referring to from Norman Podhortz. Norman Podhortz. It's entitled, Is America Exceptional? God bless you, my friends. Thanks for listening. BrianSussman.com for more on me. Appreciate you.